When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the SB Nation podcast umbrella network. And hold on. We've got breaking news right off the top of the podcast, Michael. The Calgary Flames made a trade today, not even at the deadline, before the deadline, and enhanced their team, uh, I would say, significantly today. Uh, Brad Living makes a deal. He sends Tyler Pitlick a 2022 first round pick that is protected a 2023 fifth round pick and Emil Heineman, a defenseman who came over in the Sam Bennett trade with the Panthers to the Canadians for Tyler to Not a bad afternoon, huh, Michael? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a nice way to start your, uh, your work week is uh, finding out the flames made a pretty significant upgrade to their core. Um, I'm kind of bummed they traded Heinemann. I was kind of getting excited about him watching some of his play in Sweden this year, but to not give up one of their top prospects in this deal is a pretty good piece of work by the Flames for a player in Toffoli that isn't just around this year, but two more years after this as well. Yeah, and you got a guy too that's obviously, we brought it up before, he's familiar with Daryl Sutter from his time with the Kings, but he's also familiar with Kirk Muller from Montreal last year when he was there. Um, despite Montreal being historically bad this season, Toffoli's had a pretty good year. Uh, he's second in points on the team. He's got nine goals. He's got eight power play points total, four goals, four assists. Um, you, you know, I watched the, the press conference with you too, True Living. You know, it's not just offense with him too. He's a good penalty killer as well. So it's the Flames just added an all-around like solid player to an already solid lineup. Um, Toffoli can obviously put the puck in the net and now the flames have another scoring option for a team that's scoring a ton of goals right now as it is yeah and uh even better it's a right-handed shot right wing like how long have we wanted that i know they brought in Lindholm a few years ago but now he's a number one center which i guess is also a good progression but to finally have that right-handed shot right winger is going to be such a nice add to this team that basically has had everything else going for it lately so I, i'm just very excited right now i think it's uh it's super nice to see that he's going to be probably a good fit kind of with Dubé and monahan because he also played junior hockey with sean monahan like that just seems to be a perfect match at least for now and then to hopefully probably funnel him into that second power play unit just give a bit of extra punch there like i think it's just it's exactly the kind of ad this team needs right now yeah, and I mean, if you look at Toffoli's numbers too, his like worst, and I'm doing air quotes, worst season was a 29-point season with the Kings in 13-14, where he had 12 goals and 17 assists. But like I said this year, he's at 26 points already. Last year, he had 44 with Montreal. And you got to think, if he gets in with any sort of rhythm here in Calgary, he should easily reach that 44-point clip. His uh, career high is uh, 58 from 15, 16 with the Kings, but you got to think, you know, he could easily match that 44 point total if he gets out there, especially the way the flames are playing now. And if he starts clicking and maybe he's a guy that can even get Dylan Dubé moving, you know, Dubé has been, been struggling pretty mightily. Monaghan's game has kind of slipped a little bit. Maybe he's a guy that can help them out too. Yeah, totally. Um, the thing with the Foley, it's 26 points, but just 37 games this year. He had a wrist injury earlier in the year too. So that's like a, I think he's like a 57, 58 point pace this year. 
last year, the 44 points in the shortened 52 game season, which I think was just around 70 points. So like this has a potential to not just be like a depth or like middle six ad. Like this is a definite top six NHL forward too. And then if, if it is a position where you are putting him with like a Dubé and a Monaghan and they're like de facto third, even sometimes fourth line, like how much stronger does that make your team all the way through? Like you've got the top six rolling like it is. You got Rizichka's line, which has been solid. And then to really add this, which was like kind of the one hole in the team, like Brett Ritchie was just not getting it done on that line. Like to add this kind of piece to it, like I think the Flames have a forward core that you could probably put against most other teams in the NHL. Maybe not the high-end talent of like Colorado or Tampa, but like 12 through, I think you can match them with pretty much any team in the league. And I think they're in that like very elite category now. I mean, could you imagine like you're the flames and you're thinking we're bringing to Foley and he's probably going to play in the bottom six, like a player that good. Like your top six is so strong that to slots in on your third line, which I think for any team is a, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, completely. Like it's, it's just a sign of where, especially someone like Blake Coleman, who's really taken a few steps the last month or so of the season to like, I think before if this trade had been made, he probably would have been the guy pushed down to the bottom six. But just with how good that second line has been, Michael Backlund stepped up. Like it's everything just seems to be kind of coming up for the Flames right now. So I think it's it's really exciting to see. And honestly, this deal too. I mean, clearly Montreal had to have been high on Heineman, you know, coming over as well because the deal clearly was not for Pitlick. Because um, Pitlick, it, Bradshaw Living mentioned it in his press conference. He said, you know, it's just it hasn't been good for him here. You know, he had so he had a string of bad luck. He got he did get hurt, you know, in that first preseason game, and it's kind of been downhill. He's been day to day with an undisclosed injury for what a month at least now. You know, even going back to before the COVID shutdown and the Christmas break. So it's been a tough run for Pitlick. And even when he's on the ice, he wasn't doing much of anything. Um, and you look at Heineman. Heineman came over in the Sam Bennett deal. So. You know, they deal Bennett, they get a second round pick, they get Heineman. Then through that trade, they flip Heineman to Montreal to bring him to Foley. So Sam Bennett paying dividends for the Flames somehow <laughs> down the line. Yeah, and I think, like I already said on this podcast, I still think Heineman has some pretty good NHL potential. Like he's got 16 points in 36 games in the Swedish league this year, which is notorious for nobody scores in. So like, I think he'll probably be a good player for Montreal maybe a year or two out, but Again, this is a year the Flames had to push their chips in, like you said, and these are the players you have to part with, and to not give up Jacob Pelche, who's a point per game in the AHL, or even like a Dustin Wolf, who's just crushing it down there too. Like it's, it's a fine piece of work considering. Hopefully, that first round pick at the very least will be like mid to low twenties, and ideally thirty second. Yeah, and if I read too, I believe it's top ten protected. So if the Flames for some reason it's not going to happen, obviously the Calgary's not going to be picking in the top ten, but like if it does fall into that for some godforsaken reason it's the pick moves to another year so that's good and if fifth round picks are what they are you know what i mean when you're drafting in the fifth round it's like every other draft you're filling in a piece that's going to play in the i mean every now and then you get a gem in the late rounds like Gaudreau, but most of the time your fifth round picks are you know they're guys that are that are going to play in stockton or you know at the mavericks or something like that so i say all yeah. in all all in all good deal for the flames uh brad for living I think this is the move the fans have been wanting to see that, you know, they lost out on Mark Stone. They I, I'm going with lost out on um, 
Eichel because I don't think they were really pushing that hard to get Eichel. So it's now they finally bring in a big name. And the thing that Trey Living said too that he liked is they did this deal before the trade deadline where all the chaos isn't happening. He likened it to a five-lane highway coming down into one lane on deadline day where it's a hot mess. And it also shows this is the guy they wanted. It wasn't they didn't settle for the second or third player on the list because that player had a say no movement clause or whatever. They got the guy they wanted. Yeah, completely. I think it's nice to see that um, sometimes you'll see teams wait till closer to the deadline. Maybe the price falls. Sometimes you have to overpay before the deadline. But I think this is kind of a price that if the Flames had waited to the deadline, they might have had to pay, perhaps had to pay even more if other teams were getting involved. Like there were some rumors about the Kings being interested again. Um, I'm sure there might have been other teams as well. But yeah, I, I'm very impressed that they managed to get it done so well in advance. That just gives him more time to settle in with the team, too. They got all these home games. They're at home pretty much the next three to four weeks, except for a few quick road trips. So, like, I think it really gives him a chance to settle into the city, get his family settled, which I think is often an underrated or under-talked about part of these big trades, is these guys are often coming with families that have to get settled into a new city. And, yeah, I, I'm just very excited today. I think one thing with the – it's kind of funny with the trade – or the uh, – what's it called uh, on the draft pick, like the top 10 pick. Like, yeah. I think that's just Bradtree living, having spent seven years with the flames or whatever it is now, knowing that like as good as it always is, it might just go crashing off the rails. So like <laughs> that's that it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he's been around for a while. Cause you know, just like anytime you should feel comfortable, you never should be. So, and then I always laugh when they throw in like a, a kind of late round pick like that. Like it, it's gotta be all like uh, what's, kind of just from a Montreal side like we just got to make it look like we got two draft picks for him like it doesn't matter what it is like if it was just a first I'm sure it wouldn't make a big difference on our end but the Habs fans might be losing it a bit more so I just think it's funny all the little things you see with draft picks and big trades I just look at it right now and it's like you got to be if you're a Canadians fan the season is going so horribly as it is right they've got what eight wins we think talked about it the other day on the tinderbox. They have eight wins. Markstrom has eight shutouts. You know, that's just, that's just how historically bad the Canadians are right now. And they just dealt their second highest scoring player on their team for a prospect who's playing in Sweden, Tyler Pitlick and two draft picks. Like if you're a Canadians fan, you could be like, this season couldn't get any worse. And then they wake up today or they're at work today and they find out, Oh my God, we just dealt to Foley for spare parts and some picks. Like, Good, good on Bradshaw Living, though. Finally made that move. We always sit here at the trade deadline. You know, there's that meme with the, with the poking the stick, you know, do something, Brad. And I uh, didn't even decide to wait, just hopped right in. Another thing he brought up, too, is, you know, um, they don't have to worry about quarantining or border crossing or anything right now because the Canadians are at home. So Defoley just jumps on a plane. He's not border crossing tech, like country to country. He's just going province to province going over. So that's a huge thing for him too. He could technically be in the lineup. I, I think they said they played a back-to-back, so they were going to talk to Sutter about whether he would be able to play um, tomorrow night um, for the Flames. But, I mean, he he's coming. Like, he could be here Wednesday and playing, but he could be playing tomorrow night too. Yeah, it sounds like he's flying in Monday evening tonight, and then it's kind of see how quickly he gets under, kind of gets settled, gets in, and uh, I think it's totally up to Sutter, and since he's known him or played him before, so is uh, Kirk Muller, like you said, and I I wouldn't be shocked if we see him jump right in Tuesday against the Blue Jackets. I feel like when you're a new guy in a new city, sometimes just going out and playing is the uh, most comfortable thing you can do, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see him jump right in. Yeah, and if he hops right in, I mean, I think that there's going to be that initial boost where Flames fans are going to lose their mind because he's going to play 
so well. Like usually when a guy makes that big trade now, I think expectations if he does well also need to be tempered because if he joins Calgary and has like five points in three games, it eventually will settle, you know, water seeks its own level. It will probably drop down. So hopefully he comes in, he plays solid, he plays well, and everything's just I'm I'm excited. Calgary finally added a major piece of the trade deadline for the first time in a while and kind of really gave up nothing to get it. So uh kudos to uh Brad for living in the flames for what they did. Um you got anything else you want to add uh on this one? Well yeah I was just thinking today like what was the last kind of big in season trade the flames did and I think it would have to be also with Montreal way back. I think it was like twenty Jeez, I don't even my I should have checked the date on this if I was a professional podcaster, but <laughs> like 2011, 2012, when they brought in Camilleri from Montreal and that completely yeah. weird trade where he was traded mid-game and stuff. Like that's probably the last time the Flames made significant like in-season ads. So like good on them. I, I'm very excited. And with how they've been playing, it's uh it's an exciting time. Yeah. Well Yeah, I think it's it's just how they've been playing has been sorry, I had something. And music pop on that was weird uh um yeah <laughs> something hopped in my head i got thrown off there no i agree they don't typically make a big deal at a trade deadline like that so uh good on them and hey nobody's ever worn the number 73 in flames history so Toffoli can walk right in and pick it up he immediately becomes the greatest 73 of all time so um you know i won't have any uh i won't have anybody uh yelling at me that he's not the best number 73 of all time right zach ronaldo so we got that going for us. so uh um yeah good day for the flames flames add tyler to foley for spare parts and two draft picks so uh that's the push the flames hopefully need and they've been playing so well it's just adding more offense and adding just that just just i don't know man i it was just one of those things you texted me. You're like, hey, we got extra podcast talk today. I'm like, I just woke up. I'm like, what happened? So, uh, so hey, Calgary, thanks for giving us some extra things to talk about here on the podcast. Um, I think that probably can wrap up the Toffoli end of this uh, deal. Uh, Tyler Toffoli becoming a Calgary Flame. Tyler Pitlick, Emil Heineman, a first-round pick, and a fifth-round pick go to Montreal. And the Flames, uh, when they step on the ice tomorrow, are significantly better, seeing they dealt two players that, well, one has never seen the ice with Calgary, and one hasn't seen the ice in a very long time with the Flames. So, Tyler Toffoli, now a member of the Calgary Flames. Um, more Flames news. Jacob Markstrom, first star of the week for his performance. Uh, just keeps rolling for the Flames. I mean, Gaudreau's been first star, third star. Like, It's crazy to think, like, even Kachuk hasn't even been like a first or third, second or third star just with how well he's played. And it's nuts that this is the first time Markstrom's gotten it. Yeah, it's uh, I can't say it was totally unexpected. Like he had such a good week, but just to see him keep rolling like this, like a three and oh week, nine fifty nine save percent. She was just outstanding last week, and uh, I know we still get worried that he's getting overworked. I I sure hope he doesn't start both of these next two back to back games. He has started, I believe, twelve in a row now, but. Yeah. Man, at least for now, he seems to be making the saves. I know Gordy, when he did one of our recaps this past week, he kind of talked about that Markstrom's doing some of those kind of questionable puck handling, getting kind of emotional. Like, he got crashed into by Liljegren in the Leafs game and kind of went skating after him. Like, those are the kind of plays you've seen from Markstrom in the past before he overexerted himself and got injured. So hopefully they can temper his playtime a bit this week. But, man, he is just really all season. He's just been killing it so far. Yeah, it's like he goes to those streaks where he's 3-0-0, like, you know, his last week, 3-0-0, 1-3-3 goals against and a 9-5-9 save percentage. And 
he'll have like two games where he drops off. You're like, oh, here you go. And then boom, he gets his next four games. He has like two shutouts in the next four. It's like, it's insane how he's played. But I think like, yeah, he got that heavy workload with, with um, Vegas and Toronto back to back. And then they had a couple days off. Then they get the Islanders, but that was Saturday. You know, then he's got Sunday, he's got Monday and he comes back on Tuesday if he's going to play. So he's getting enough rest where mentally he can just decompress and go. I think it's when you're going to get into those where they've got, you know, say they got like a, a Monday, Tuesday, and then a Thursday. At some point, you're going to have to throw in Vladar because he can't do boom, boom, boom like that, especially if the Flames are going to make the playoffs. I think they are going to make it. They're going to need him fresh and rested when it comes to time, right? Yeah, totally. I think, uh, like we've said before, they have a pretty, I, I wouldn't say favorable, but given how crazy it's going to get down the stretch, like Tuesday, Wednesday, I believe Saturday this week against Seattle, and then Monday, like, it's busy, but it's not crazy. Like I, I still think you start Vladar on the back to backs, and if you want to start Markstrom, the other three, like you start, like it, it makes sense, kind of. And after that, you want to kind of keep him fresh as things get crazy down the stretch. I think, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally fine with Markstrom playing three, and yeah, he's killing it right now. So why wouldn't I be? Yeah, and you look at this upcoming schedule with Columbus. I mean, you saw what happened. They just ran into a buzzsaw of the Flames last time when they ran into them. That was 6 nothing. Uh, then they got the Ducks on Wednesday in a back-to-back. And that's kind of like a game maybe you do. Maybe you put Vladar in against uh, Columbus, and maybe you put Markstrom in against Anaheim because that's you know that's a three-point swing right there. That's Anaheim's 55 points. The Flames are 58. So it's not like Anaheim's completely out of the division yet. Um, unless you're going to, I, Vladar hasn't played in so long. If it, if it were me making the call, I might throw him in against Columbus where that's not a division game. And then maybe I put Markstrom in against Anaheim just because that's a bigger game. And in the Kraken, I th- the Kraken game, I think you could go one way or another. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. I think you have to have Markstrom in for the uh, big divisional game against a team that you very could possibly play in the playoffs. So I think you got to get him in there, and I think Columbus is a team, regardless of who you have in net, uh, you should be able to beat. I again, I don't think that this isn't the uh, the Kipper era where they're just trotting out some no name backup that you're definitely going to lose because the team's not even going to try in front of. Like this is a guy who's been very solid all year for them, so I don't even I don't get why it's such a like a discussion or like within Flames maybe their their coaching staff like Vladar has provided solid backup goaltending all year, so it shouldn't really be like, uh, are we going to lose as soon as we put like not Markstrom in? Like that's not the case whatsoever. Yeah. So I mean, we roll down the rest of this, right? So uh, Tuesday, Columbus, you could put Vladar in. Wednesday, Markstrom, and then you got a Saturday. You got time off. You could put Markstrom back in against Seattle. That's fine. Um, and even if you wanted to play him on Monday against Winnipeg at home, you could still do that because he's got Sunday off. Um, then the Flames have. They've got Wednesday off, Tuesday, Wednesday off before they go to Vancouver to take on the Canucks. And then they get Saturday. So the schedule is working out well for a guy like Daryl Sutter, who if he wanted to put Markstrom in, say uh, one, two, three, four out of the next five or six games, he could do that because there's enough days off where the only back to back is the Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, enough days off, and I would say maybe with the exception of the Ducks, but even they aren't great. Like, there's no world-beater teams, really, in those next six games or so, because after that, it's uh, they have Minnesota twice, and they have Montreal, which should be a, a winnable game, and then it's... So, yeah, it's Minnesota twice, Montreal, then Colorado, Edmonton, Washington, Tampa. Like, that's all... That's a tough run. That's kind of cream of the crop of the NHL, and yes, they have some of those at home, but... Those are the games where you will probably want to start Markstrom five out of six at least. Like throw Vladar in for that one Montreal game in between. But I, I think you gotta take advantage of the 
even though there's some days off now, I still think you got to take advantage of giving him as much rest as possible because March, uh, things are going to get crazy then. Yeah, and I mean, I know we looked at that home schedule with the seven home games in 12 days, and we're like, oh my God, it's going to be crazy. But at the end of the day, it's really not. I mean, like we said, uh, Columbus and Anaheim is a back-to-back. Um, then your next back-to-back isn't until March 7th, 8th with the Oilers and Caps. Um, then you got a back-to-back Detroit, Colorado, and you know, then the schedule, and then there's a, a Buffalo and Vancouver, and that one's yeah, that one's home versus Buffalo, then to Vancouver. So it's not like you're at Buffalo and then having to come back around. So it's not like the schedules. It's going to be busy in March, but there's enough gaps where like Vladar should get some starts, but Markstrom could also get some rest. And um, Calgary just needs to make hey, they've got to take, they've got to beat. Edmonton, they've uh, they got to beat the Canucks, they got to beat the Kraken and the Ducks because those are their only Pacific games coming up for a while. Yeah, totally. I think, um, luckily for the Flames, I don't think their schedule gets too kind of heavy the rest of the way once they get through that kind of tough stretch I mentioned. But yeah, it's um, I like you said, they just got to kind of, especially against the weaker teams, whether it's Pacific or just anywhere in the league, they just got to keep uh, making hay against those teams because that's where we've seen in past years that they haven't done that. And uh, it's it's bitten them at the end of the year. April sets them up for <clears> looking way, way far ahead. I mean, April starts Kings, Ducks, Sharks, two with the Kraken, uh, Vegas. Uh, you know, that's how the month starts. That's a pretty busy month within your division. Um, and by that point, you got to think, you know, L.A., the Kraken, clearly the Sharks, and maybe the Ducks are hanging around. But some of those, that's low-hanging fruit on some of those games within the division by the time you get to April. That's if the Flames, I mean, who knows? The Flames could come out and just, just totally, you know, against some of these teams, and we could be rethinking this schedule. But, you know, Minnesota, tough. Sure, Colorado, tough. Edmonton's always a tough out. So are the Caps. But Red Wings, Devils, Sabres, Canucks, Coyotes, like it's not a it's not a murderer's row. I feel like they got that out of the season early with that that trip out east with, Carolina, Tampa, you know, they got the big heavy teams out of the way. And it's, you know, you're cruising down the stretch. You sure got, you got Vegas again. Uh, Nashville's always tough against them, but it's not like a, you're not looking down that schedule and thinking like, man, they could lose six in a row here at some point. Yeah. And I would just say the two games I'm probably most intrigued by in the month of March is they're in Colorado twice in, I think, nine days. Mm-hmm. And Colorado, I believe they're 22 and two at home this year. Like they're just, steamrolling teams right now so i'm just interested to see how the flames can play in probably the toughest building to play and especially if they want to make any noise this year they'll have to go through there to do that yeah 100 percent. i think that's your big test uh and i was like and again like you know teams like minnesota even when they have dallas like they always seem to like those teams tend to play them a little bit heavier especially minnesota they're not exciting games so those will be decent tests for them but yeah it's colorado it's obviously Edmonton and the Caps, the Lightning. Those are the teams. And I, if they're going to do anything in the West, Colorado's the team they're going to have to go through. Same with Vegas. And they handled Vegas pretty well the other night. But we'll see because it's assuming when they see uh, Vegas again, Jack Eichel should be on the ice for them. So that adds another layer to, to that, you know, that team as well. Um, you know, looking uh, at the, how they've played at home is ridiculous lately. I mean, the Saddle Dome, was such a bad place for the Flames to play. Uh, their home record now they're ten four and four. I mean, at one point they were four four and four. Uh, they have reeled off six in a row, and it's what now? It, it was twenty four to four or something. Is the goals goals mm-hmm. for goals against at home? It's all of a sudden the Saddle Dome is a tough place to play. Yeah, uh, it's up to twenty nine to six down their last six yeah. home games, which is just bonkers. That's 
yeah, it's just ridiculous. And then also six wins in a row just in the, in general as well. Like it's, it's a good time of year to have six game winning streaks. Not that there's ever a bad time. And I would honestly say at this point, there's no reason they can't go seven for seven on this homestand. Like I, I, you're probably going to blow one game like that. It's the NHL. You don't win every night, but on paper and with how they're playing right now, I would not be shocked either if they went seven for seven to finish up this homestand. Yeah. And, and honestly, you could look at that homestand too and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. They're playing at home. Who did they play? But I mean, they, they start off the homestand with, by beating Vegas six to nothing and Toronto five to two, you know, they didn't start with cupcakes, you know, the, the Islanders, they plowed through them five to two the other night. So they're, they're showing that they can beat, good teams at the saddle dome and put the puck in the net. And it's, and it's not like it's, it's prolonged. Like the goals are coming in like short spurts. Like they're coming in, like it's goal, goal, goal. Then all of a sudden a team's on its heels. Well, yeah, exactly. They just seem to be, uh, the pucks finding the net for them right now. And like, I think it's their last five games. They've had at least four in every game. And then you kind of look back, they had the six goals in Columbus, the seven against the blues. Like they're they're finding the back of the net right now, and uh, that was a big question. And Daryl Sutter Hockey would be, is would it be like two one every night? And yeah, right now they're holding teams to two or less against, but they're scoring four or five, six goals a game, and that's that's going to win you a lot of games very quickly in the NHL. Yeah, and I think like a Daryl Sutter team that maybe didn't have dynamic offensive players like Manjapani and Gaudreau and Kachuk and Lindholm. Sure, those teams, you know, you might be playing two to one games, three to two games, but when you line those guys up on the ice and even like the Flames defense, right? Sutter was, he said, you know, the defense needs to help us out a little bit. Uh, they've got 11 points out of their defensemen in the last two games. Um, it's like the other night in their 5-2 win, uh, let's see. Tanev and Goodbranson scored, um, but Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington, and Zadorov all had assists. Um, you know, Hannafin's been playing well. Tanev had his what three or four point night the other night, so they're getting they're getting help on the back end. Rzitska's playing really well. Uh, Manjapani started the score at home, which if he can do that at home and on the road, I mean, good lord! I mean, you line up against and Backlund's even moving the puck better now. So it's you line up those guys and add Tyler Toffoli. The the Flames look like a scary team to play. Yeah, and just to get that push from the back end, like you said, it's been something they kind of weren't getting all year long. But um, to see all six guys on the blue line get a point on against the Islanders, like that was pretty neat. Like I don't think we see that a ton these days anymore. So yeah, I think it's just really exciting to see kind of everything coming together at once. And now Bradtree Living's kind of picked things up too. Like it seems like the Flames are just a team that right now it's just everything's kind of working in unison and. We'll see if it carries it. There's always a bit of a fear when there's still two and a half months left in the season. Is it like, are they peaking too soon? But they really haven't given us any reason all year. They've had their slumps this year, but they haven't really given us any reason to not believe in this team. Like they've been pretty steady all year long here too. Yeah. It's not like this is one of those Glenn Gulletson teams that wins nine in a row, goes into a break and then comes out in a horrific tailspin and falls apart. It's, it's also a team like I can't remember in a long time where Calgary had a team that was so dynamic and fast and skilled on offense also had unbelievable goaltending had almost one through six on the blue line playing well, but also just that heavy and a team that checks hard, a team that back checks, a team that four checks, a team that every night when you finish, you're going to feel it. I mean, you asked Toronto, I mean, they got beat up when they came to Calgary. Um, Good Branson the other night against the Islanders. Had a, he had a fight and a goalie was an assist away from a Gordie Howe hat trick you know, type setup. The Flames are a physical team. They're a skilled team and they've got goaltending and they got coaching. I mean, 
maybe oh three oh four. You know, like it's like it's it's been a while since they've been almost that complete. And I, I would I would even beg to differ because that oh three oh four team was carried by Kiprasov and Aginla. You know, it's, yeah. This this is at least went to Foley's, and this looks like a team with how Rizichka is playing in that line, like twelve deep on forward. Their six defense are all doing very well, and they're t- like. I, I don't really now that the, to Foley's and I don't really see a huge hole in this team anymore. Like I was just kind of thinking like, what are they going to do at the deadline? And maybe like a depth D, like a seventh, eighth D man that you just bring in for like, just in case four guys get hurt or something. Like I really don't see what more they're going to add to this team to make them any stronger than they already are now. Yeah. And honestly, and financially, they really don't have a lot of wiggle room either to make that move. Um, clearing out Pitlick cleared out one seven five, which allowed to Foley to get in under the cap. So the flames were good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard pressed to think of when you look down a team where you had that many players playing that well and that were that solid. So, uh, yeah, things are looking good. I, I don't know what to do. Like they're good. <laughs> like we just come on every week and we're like, Johnny's good. The flames are amazing. It's just how it is right now. And I, I there was that little bit of a worry, you know, for a while where they weren't playing that well, where they were in a, a little bit of a hiccup, but, um, they seem like they're firing on all cylinders right now. And then you add a guy like Tafoli. good Lord, uh, Good luck, good luck, Pacific Division. Good luck, Western Conference, because the Flames can score, they can hit, and they can stop the puck. So, I don't know. I just, it's like everything else in life, though. I feel like I'm waiting for that other shoe, not even a shoe, like a boot to be thrown out of the sky, not even drop. So, we'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. I was going to say, last time this happened, didn't they lose like two in a row? Then they got hit by COVID, and then they lost like three or four on that road trip coming back. So, trying not to get too excited because you know, with the Flames, it's never good all the time, but. It's fun right now, so I think we should just enjoy it. 100%. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Mark and Michael's Musings. When we come back, there was a game that was played yesterday. Something happened. A champion got crowned somewhere. Um, So we'll uh, tackle that when we come back on Mark and Michael's Musings. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the SB Nation podcast network. Michael, the Super Bowl was played yesterday. Um, listen, the NFL has its issues with domestic violence and whatever else is going on in the leagues. But um, I tell you the Super Bowl entertaining as hell and the playoffs as a whole. I don't ever remember a start of the NFL playoffs to the end of the Super Bowl. That's been that entertaining. Yeah. I think the NFL won a lot of fans this year. I think their playoffs, the last seven games were all less than a possession difference. Like it was just, it, it was what you want from a professional league to have a playoffs that are enticing, especially when it you sometimes run that risk in a league where it's a one game best of for each matchup that sometimes it's going to be a blow. It's not going to be that entertaining, but man, if, if you're, if you're looking to market your league, you had no better like run than these last three or four weeks of football. And the halftime show was also pretty great too. And then just to kind of wrap it all up with a nice close finish, like it, it was just a, Really a great playoffs in general for the NFL. Yes, if you weren't watching yesterday, the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 to in the Super Bowl, giving Matthew Stafford probably a guy who's played 
the longest in a horrible NFL franchise, never said boo about wanting to be traded or anything, finally gets out of the, the black hole that is Detroit, the football nightmare that is Detroit, goes to L.A., like has a fantastic regular season with them, and then guides them to the Super Bowl and gets the win. And honestly, a game that came down to last possession, right? I mean, fourth down. Burrow gets sacked, game over. It's it couldn't have been. And you look at what the Rams lost during that game too. There were players dropping left and right. Stafford loses Beckham, his best receiver, and he's the it, Cooper Cup. Literally, the two of them carried them on that final drive. They did not run the football because they could not run the football. And a couple bad penalties by the Bengals. Um, there is some complaining about that, but the Bengals got a seventy-five yard touchdown and one of the worst non-calls I've ever seen in my life with a face mask and a push off. So. The Rams were owed something, but two penalties at the goal line. The Rams get in and win. You know, Aaron Donald sacks Burrow. <laughs> Could be his last play in the NFL. Like, just all in all, like the NFL, the NFL won this year. They really did. And it's been a struggle for them lately with PR, with everything that's going on between concussions and violence, domestic violence, racism, all the stuff in the league. The NFL needed a season like this, and their postseason was just, it was unbelievable. That was just, that was a fun, I had no rooting interest. I always joke this is now the 35th year I haven't cared about the Super Bowl because um, the Dolphins. Have <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, go Rams! Like, uh, just a, a heck of a game, you know. For two high, two high caliber quarterbacks, and to watch Stafford come back from the two picks, throw three touchdowns, it was just. It was just awesome. I thought it was a hell of a game. Yeah, it was just solid football. I kind of wished the Bengals had made it a bit more interesting on that last drive, but they kind of got to midfield and they kind of sputtered out there. I don't. I don't know why, but I find like teams often kind of choke more when they get to like, cause they, they, I believe it was first and 10, they got like eight or nine yards and it was like second and one, they threw it out of bounds. Third and one, they ran for some reason yep. right into Aaron Donald too, which was not smart. And then fourth and one, he blew up the play. Like, I don't know. I find when teams get to like fourth, like second and two, third and two, they all, almost like throw it away more than if it's still like second and 10, third and 10, because they know they have to get some yards then. But yeah, overall, it was a great game. It was nice to see uh, Stafford, like you said, get his due finally. Uh, same with Donald to get his ring. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but Van Jefferson, the Rams receiver, had to book it right out of the game because his wife had gone to labor during the game. Like, yeah. that's just that's just a crazy story on that end, too. So, like, good for them. I'm, I'm happy for the Rams, for the Bengals fans. Like, I think it's just a start for them. Like, they'll be back, like, without a doubt in my mind. Like, with that, at least with Joe Burrow, if they actually give him some kind of O-line to go with, I think he was sacked, like, yeah. eight or nine times. Like, they'll be back. So I, I, I hope they don't feel too upset today. Watching Aaron Donald on that last play reminded me of, like, Reggie White when the Packers got to that Super Bowl against the Patriots, where it was like, I'm getting toward the end. There is no chance I'm losing this game. Like, that run stop where he just hit with the shoulder, and then just the sheer strength where he had one arm where he just pulled Mixon. He's like, no, you're not getting the first down and stop them. And then he just blows through the line and drags Burrow. To, like Burrow had to just be like, oh, come on. I needed one block because they were moving the ball pretty well coming into that drive. They had the huge pass when they came out on that drive, which, you know, it's just like, oh, God, here they come. They're going to make it interesting. But then Donald was just like, no, this, this is my Super Bowl. I am winning this thing, you know. And, and then what I hate about it, too, is at the end, they were like, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? He's like, man, I just want to have this moment. Like, just let me live in. He's like, I want to soak in the confetti. This is all I've ever wanted to do. You know, he's like, I just want, just don't ask me about it. And I get that. You know what I mean? Guy just won his first Super Bowl. Like, let him, let him, let him enjoy. You know, totally. Dolphins, yeah. fans, Dolphins fans were funny afterwards. They're like, don't worry, Joe Barry. You went to the Super Bowl in your second year. You'll be back to a whole bunch of them, too, just like Marino. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, like, 
Like even even in somebody else's misery, we got to drag them down. So yeah, all in all, NFL, nice job, good Super Bowl. Um, did you do anything for it last night? Did you uh, hang out with friends, or were you just kind of doing your own? No, thing? I just decided to shut in last night and watch it on my own. Yeah. Not, I kind of enjoyed just because, like you said, the football's been so good this playoffs. Like I kind of want to just sit back, enjoy the game. I thought it was an enticing matchup, so I just took it easy on my own, shuttered down, and enjoyed it. Now you've obviously watched your team go to a Super Bowl, and I would ask you and. It, like I, the ticket prices are just stupid. Like the Super Bowl is not an event for fans; it's an event for sponsors, extremely rich fans, corporate partners, whatever. Um, but like, if say the Eagles went to the Super Bowl again, would you rather? Would you want to go to the game, or would you rather watch it like by yourself in a room on your own, so you can either break things and scream or cry by yourself? See, that's the tough discussion I've had um, with, with myself. It's just like. You want to be there so bad, but you know, like you're you're taking out ridiculous amounts of money to go to that game. Plus, hotels are crazy. They're flying into whichever city it's in is going to be crazy. Like it's it's one of those events you wish them more. You wish they had like a five hundred thousand seat stadium somewhere where they could just host the Super Bowl every year and everyone could just go there. And it's only like a couple hundred bucks a piece. But um, no, I've decided if the Eagles ever make it back and they win, I'm going to fly to Philly instead for the parade instead of paying the money for the Super Bowl. So I think that's my plan, at least going forward, unless I become a mega, mega millionaire in the next 10 years, which I probably don't see happening unless this podcast becomes the biggest thing in the world. We'll see. Listen, those downloads are rolling in. You never know. You might be able to get that ticket in a couple of years. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of like watching football on TV. Having been to a million Dolphins games, like football is such like a full day commitment to go to a game. Like the game starts at one. You got to be there by 10 game gets over at four. You're not leaving the parking lot until six. You don't get home. It's a, it's like a nine to seven job when you go to a football game. And to me, honestly, if the dolphins are never going to go to the Super Bowl, I'm just convinced. So it's like, whatever, it's not even an issue, but like, I don't think I would never pay the money. I think I'm more like you. I'd rather fly to Miami and go to the parade. Um, Cause let's face it. A, Parade in Miami in January is way more enticing than a parade in <laughs> Philly or anywhere else in this time of year or February. But like, um, yeah, I just to me, like the Super Bowl is like like I would love to watch a Stanley Cup playoff game in person, um, a World Series game in person. I hate basketball, so I don't care about the NBA watching that in person. But to me, football is such a ginormous, huge event like unless you're sitting in like the perfect spot, it's so hard to see the other end of the field. So for me, I think I'd rather just, I'd rather just stay at home and watch the game, um, which I do. I watch the Super Bowl home every year with zero rooting interest. Normally I'm just rooting against the Patriots. So that's kind of how it works for me. Um, I guess finally we were talking too quick. Like people always like, you know, everybody has a huge spread when they have, what's the most overrated thing you see at a Super Bowl party, like a gathering, like food wise or whatever. Um, geez, I, I would say, I don't even know if I can think of like a food thing, but just, um, the number of people that go to a Super Bowl party and like, don't watch the game whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, as I guess maybe we're a bit different. Cause like, we're kind of, we, we like to be right up on our sports before we watch these big games. We kind of like to know like a bit of the backstory of who's playing, but just like the people that go with like absolutely no interest in the game. Like I, I would like at least a little bit of like to have a little bit of a conversation with you, but like what's going on or like how good of a season the Bengals had or something like, I just think some of those people that they get on my nerves. That's why I often kind of shut in for the Super Bowl. So that's at least no. my opinion. 
No, totally makes sense. I totally understand that. It's tough being in a room of people that are like just waiting for the commercials. I'm like, the commercials stopped being funny in like 1992. Like the minute the Bud Bowl stopped, it just stopped being funny. Like that's what it, <laughs> as they bring back the Bud Bowl. But uh, and oh, there's people that are old, strictly only in for halftime. Which, for the record, I thought the halftime was awesome. As somebody, yeah, who totally, grew up, like, totally. With Dr. Dre and that type of like that type of hip hop, I was like, "This is cool." Like, this is what. And of course, then there's you, you know you've got your old crusties complaining about the halftime show, but it would be better if Kiss played. Like nobody cares, nobody wants to see. It. <laughs> so, but anyway, so uh, anything else you want to hop on before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, no, I just I can't wait to see Tyler Toffoli. I'm excited. Okay, and as Michael just mentioned, if you have not heard, the Flames made a trade today. Tyler Toffoli is now a member of the Calgary Flames. They traded Emil Heineman, they traded Tyler Pitlick and a first round pick and a fifth round pick to the Montreal Canadiens for Toffoli. He will probably be in Calgary tonight and maybe he'll be suiting up when the Flames hit the ice tomorrow to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. Google Podcast or Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline and you can find past episodes of The Tinderbox, Mark and Michael's Musings, and Behind Enemy Lines. We thank you all for joining us and we will catch you next time on Mark and Michael's Musings. <laughs>